Today's teaching text is from Mark 1, and it's verses 1 to 11. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. What an incredible morning this is in church. I want to give you a huge welcome. However, you're connected with us this morning, whether you're part of one of our six campuses, Chesterfield, Derby, Sheffield, Rotherham, Stocksbridge, or our online campus, or you're just dropping in as a guest this morning, we want to say a huge welcome to you. You are welcome here. Welcome home. And it's been an incredible morning. You know, I've had worship tears and I've had prayer tears this morning. Hopefully, I won't have sermon tears. We'll be able to get through this message. And um, we've just read the text for this morning, which is around Jesus' baptism. And this morning, I want to ask you to do something. At the beginning of this message, I want you to imagine you're there. You're there on the banks of the Jordan River the day that Jesus is being baptized. Maybe you've traveled eight miles on foot or donkey uh, from your home near Jericho, or maybe you've traveled 20 miles from your home near Jerusalem, and you've traveled to be baptized because something is happening. Something is stirring in your community. Everyone is telling everyone else about this guy called John, a man known uh, for his camel coat, his um, <laughs> leather belt, and his keto diet of locusts and wild honey. Uh, and John is preaching, and he's been preaching this message of the kingdom of heaven, saying it's close at hand, it's just about to be amongst us. So repent, turn from your sins, and believe the good news of the kingdom. Something is stirring. Everyone is talking about it. The excitement is everywhere and you're filled with anticipation. Your heart has been stirred by God too. You want what everyone else wants in this moment. You want God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You want righteousness. You want justice. You want fairness. You want equality. You want an end to oppression. Roman oppression. You want freedom. You want peace, not war. You want rest and not struggle. And so you're there. You're there because you want these things. And you are there 
to be baptized, to repent, to say, God, use me, to say, God, please include me. And John is baptizing one after another. And as he baptizes them, he asks them a question. Do you repent of your sins? And they say, yes. And then John says this, I baptize you with water for the forgiveness of sins. But after me comes one who is greater than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Dunk. And out again. You're there. You know, your goose bumped up. You know what I mean? You're stu- maybe you've got worship tears. Maybe you've got baptism tears. You stood with the crowd on the west bank of the river. John is on the east side, the old Jordanian side, baptizing. And the day that you're there, John is baptizing, and he sees a figure in the crowd. It's the one he's been talking about, the one who comes after him, the one who will baptize people, who's greater than him, but baptize people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he declares, look, I actually prefer the King James Version. Here it is. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in that moment, you're there, goosebumped up. I'm goosebumped up right now. Jesus makes his way across the river to John. He makes his way to be baptized. But John doesn't like it. He, he feels uncomfortable. He feels like an imposter in this moment. He thinks, Jesus, you should be baptizing me. Imagine, imagine John and He's in this moment. The Holy Spirit is doing something. He, he's gone into the desert and uh, he's not had any leaflets. He's begun to preach. He's got no Instagram reel. He's got no Zoom meetings, no YouTube channel. But the Holy Spirit moves on the hearts of the people. Day after day they come. Thousands come. He expected a few. <laughs> I'm not sure he expected any, but he expected a few. He was just being obedient, but thousands come. Don't you long for a day like that today when God moves on the hearts of a people and thousands flood into our churches? Thousands come and thousands come to John to repent and to be baptized. Thousands are hungry for the kingdom of God. But then this man comes who you know is the Messiah, who you know is the one who will remove the sin of the world. And he steps in the water to be baptized and you feel like an imposter. And so you step back and you, 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 you look at what the scripture says in this moment. It says, John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and, and you come to me. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. You know, John's been confident in his message up to this point. He's been confident in his ministry. But now he's face to face with Jesus. He's face to face with the Messiah. And he should be the one repenting. He should be the one being baptized. But Jesus says, no, it's proper for us to do this, to fulfill or righteousness. So it prompts this question. Why was Jesus baptized? What was he doing? I mean, he, he wasn't baptized for his sins, right? He's not being baptized because he needs to repent. 
Jesus is being baptized for our sins. He's doing what John said. He's taking away the sin of the world. Jesus is identifying with us. God is becoming one of us. Jesus was beginning in his baptism to do what he would complete when he was on the cross. And he would cry, it is finished. He's beginning to carry away the sin of the world. Jesus is taking our place, even in his baptism. He's identifying with our sin. He is, he is walking the path he has chosen for us to walk. He's taking his place even in his baptism. How, how incredible is the Christmas story that God comes as a baby. The creator enters a cradle. Uh, the all-powerful has to be protected by a teenage mother. But this is remarkable too. This baptism story, the sinless son of God, identifies with our sin and our humanity. Jesus is the one who had all things and yet he identifies with the lowest who have the least. It was not the rich, the upper classes in the main who were being baptized by John. Some, yes, but in the main it was the poor, the ordinary people, just like you and me. And Jesus becomes one of us. He becomes one of us by identifying with us. He's walking the path. He asks us to walk. He enters the kingdom. Think of this. It's remarkable. He enters the kingdom the way we do, through baptism and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus does this, he says, follow me. I just want to say that's why you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've said yes and, and, to, and accepted Christ, and you're, that's why Easter Sunday is for you to be baptized. Because Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Follow my example. This is how you enter the kingdom, by being baptized. Leaving the old life dead and buried in the water and saying, I've got this new life of following Jesus. I want to encourage you to be baptized on Easter Sunday if that's you. But what happens next is my focus today, and it's so important, because what is about to be revealed is where you and I can get our identity from. It shows us where Jesus would get his identity from. He takes the posture, the posture of a sinner, the posture of one in need of repentance, the posture of one who needs to be baptized to enter the kingdom, the posture of one who needs the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. And immediately we see how God relates to him and therefore how God relates to us. He shows that regardless of who we are, regardless of our state, there's a place for us, a place where we can know our true identity. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're in this two-part series called This Means War. This is part one. It's actually Lost Season 3 for those of you that are following our mega series. Some, somebody called it like a spin-off series. But I want to say that this matters today. And it matters because there's a battle we all face. And it's a battle for identity. One of the biggest battles in our lives. You see, we all face the battle over identity. I guess more specifically, we face the battle of where we will look for our identity. We look in so many places. We look to status, sexuality, wealth. We look at family and relationships. We look at race, our race 
I actually believe there's only one race, the human race. But we look for our identity maybe then in our nationality. We look in our age. Younger people can't wait till they're a bit older. Older people would like to be a bit younger. We look in all kinds of places for our identity. But the challenge is all of these are broken on some level. When you look for identity and status, you're never at the top. Even when you reach what you thought was the dream, you start dreaming about something else. If you look for identity in your sexuality, it's impossible to satisfy those longings. You know, society is discovering this and it has no answers. And so we medicate our problems, but we cannot satisfy the longing to know who we are and where we belong. If we look to wealth, just like status, we never have enough and it never fully satisfies. It doesn't answer the identity question of who am I, how do I belong, where do I belong and how do I relate to the world. You see, you're not defined by your bank account or your stuff. God has something better than that for us, greater than that. Our family and our relationships, these are so good. And in the first century, this was everything. Everything flowed from who your family was. It was your place in, your, in society. It was your standing. You know, if you were an unmarried woman, for example, you had no status and little status what, what, uh, whatsoever. And we're talking about singleness tonight, by the way, in our Relationship Goals series. A little plug. Join us at 6 o'clock there. You see, marriage 2,000 years ago was not about romance at all. It was about status. You joined one family to another family, ideally so that you could improve your status and place in society. Nationality, that too is broken. I think it's okay to be proud to be from your country. It's okay to want England to win the European Championships. Come on, somebody. There's nothing wrong with that. But no, no nationhood is free of trouble. All nations have committed our atrocities. We're all fallen. And all nations are fallen still. And what about age? You know, in our society today values the young over old, but it's not always been that way. 2,000 years ago, they valued old over young. The problem is, we all age. I know you don't believe me, but we do. We all get older. And so the problem, therefore, is that at a certain point, it's all downhill. Don't you think there's something broken about that? Where we say to people at a certain point, a certain age, it's all downhill from here. There has to be something better. And I think that's why this baptism shows us. You see, our identity matters because it's how we define who we are and how others know us and how we relate to the world around us. Our identity impacts how we make decisions in life. Do, do you know, look at this statistic, we make 35,000 choices a day. Incredible. You wouldn't think that, would you? What pair of socks should I wear? That was a, cho that was a hard choice this morning. 35,000 choices. I think you want to make them from the right place, don't you? Just now, I believe this is so important because we've been in a pan pandemic world for one year. We've been fighting this weird pestilence for 12 months 
And I think right now, having been in a weird place, we need to make good choices, healthy choices, that will have a positive impact on our lives and a positive impact on our family. Identity has a huge impact on health and well-being in our lives. It defines how we experience the world. And at Jesus' baptism, what we see is that Jesus will get his identity from God, and we can too. And it's a better place. And when we go on this identity of finding our identity in God, it's not because those other places are completely bad. In fact, my experience is that when you have security in your relationship with God, you actually find a better way to think about status. You find a better way to deal with wealth and riches. You find a better way to approach sexuality. Did you hear what I said? A better way. A better way. You you can appreciate your nationality, but at the same time, you can deal with racism, inequality, and injustice. And you can have a better view about age. So that when you reach a certain age, it's not all downhill. The best is yet to come. Somebody needs to hear that today. Everything gets a better perspective. Jesus' ideas are way better than anyone else's. It's why the Sermon on the Mount is widely regarded by many people as the greatest manifesto of all time. It's the gospel. The good news of the kingdom. That's how Matt started his reading. That's how Mark starts his gospel. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. So I want to share three things from Jesus' baptism. They're they're super clear and they're super simple. But I want you to take these today. I want you to receive these today. And I want you to make these three things the foundation of your identity. I want you to make them the place, the location. I want you to put a pin in these three things and think, that's where I'm from. That's who I am. That's how I relate to the world. So are you ready? Here are the three things. Numero uno. Number one, we are sons and daughters. The voice that came from heaven said, you are my son. Both uh, Mark and Luke record that this voice is directed towards Jesus. It's not directed towards the crowd. This is my son. It's not directed towards the religious leaders so that they might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. This is my son. No, it's to Jesus. You are my son. And I I believe it's directed to Jesus so that you will know that there's a voice from heaven that's speaking to you. You are my daughter. You are my son. Because remember, Jesus is being baptized because he's taking our place. He's identifying with us. And so when the father says to Jesus, you are my son, by extension, he is saying to you, you are my daughter. You are my son. And I want to ask you, do you know that this morning? Do you know that you are a son or a daughter of God this morning? Remember, Jesus is taking our place. There's a quote. Go something like this. The son of God became the son of men. So the sons of men could become the sons of God. It's attributed to C.S. Lewis by some. Some people attribute it to Calvin. But it actually goes back to Augustine of Hippo, a North African bishop. By the way, just so you know, our best theology comes not from Europe, but from the Middle East or North Africa 
from thousands of years ago. But just, I'm just saying, okay. But actually, Augustine of Hippo said this. The only son of God, having become the son of man, makes many sons of men the sons of God. How good is that? When you know that you're a daughter and a son of God, when you know that when God says to Jesus, you are my son, he's saying to you, you are my daughter, you are my son. I think you've got all the status you need. Come on, somebody. I think you've got all the wealth you'll ever need. You're, you're in, baby. You're, you're in with the ultimate in crowd. You're in with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're my son. You're my daughter. You've joined the divine dance. Your tribe, it's pretty cool. FOMO. Well, that's ridiculous now. It's ridiculous because you are who God says you are. You're my daughter. You're my son. John, in his gospel, in verses, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, says, says it like this. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. That word right means authority. He gave the authority to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but children born of God. You have the authority this morning to live as a child of God. Who do you think you are? I hope you think I'm a daughter. I'm a son of God. I hope you're exercising your right. I hope you're exercising your authority. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter. Every day, I hope every day you tell yourself, oh, I've got a little Holy Spirit mantra for you today. Is that okay? I hope every day you tell yourself, I am chosen. I am loved. I'm a child of God. I am chosen. I am loved. I'm a child of God. I am chosen. I am loved. I'm a child of God. I tell you, this truth will impact everything. If you'll exercise your authority as a child of God, it will affect not just your Sunday. When you gather with fellow believers and you worship as we should, but it'll affect your Monday. It'll affect your every day. I'm a child of God. We are sons and daughters. Anybody happy today? I'm happy today. Here's the second thing. It's right there in those words. We are loved. You are my son whom I love. Did Jesus need to hear the father say, I love you? I mean, we all need to hear People say, we love you, don't you? But did Jesus, did Jesus need to hear it? No, we need to hear it. We are loved. I think Jesus knew he was loved. I think Jesus knew he was sent from the Father. I mean, at 12 years old, he's in the temple. Remember when his parents are looking for him, and he says, I must be about my father's business. He knew he was loved by the Father. He knew he was sent by the Father. Even at 12 years old, he had this sense. And I'm fascinated in this story that this voice is directed to Jesus. You are my son whom I loved. And Jesus would go from this baptism and spend the next three years before he was killed. He would spend those three years telling everyone, you are loved by God. You know, I, some of you know that I read Jesus every day. That means I read some part of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's gospel. Not much usually. Uh, not much at all, but I read some part. 
And I don't do it because I'm a hero. I don't do it because I'm super disciplined, because I'm not. I do it because I have to. I do it because I need to. And if I don't, my image, my picture of God, the way I feel about God, the way I think that God feels about me, gets so warped. Without Jesus, my God is angry. Without Jesus, my God is judgmental. Without Jesus, honestly, my God is potentially a monster. Because without Jesus, my God becomes like me. Heaven help us all. (laughs) If God was like me, heaven help us all. But you know, Jesus is what God is like. So when I look at him, and when I listen to him, I see a perfect revelation of the Father. Uh, Like uh, you'll have all seen this. If you're on social media, you'd have all seen this. Hashtag no filter. You know, this has become huge, hasn't it, on Instagram. And uh, it's become huge because we realize we're seeing doctored posts on Instagram. We're seeing people's highlight reels. We're seeing, you know, what people want us to see. The best side. The 10th version of the photo. Anybody done that? Oh, can't put that one out there. Can't put that one out there. We need the photo without the double chin or the triple chin. We need the one with a smile. I just want to give a shout out to our photo team at Icon Church because however they get a good photo of me is purely miraculous. It's either a miracle or luck. You can choose. But what about this hashtag, Jesus is God with no filter. The reason I read Jesus every day is because I put a filter. If I don't look through the lens of Jesus, I put a filter on what my God is like. My God might be nationalistic. My God might be a God who blows people up. My God can be all kinds of things, but Jesus is God with no filter. And the God with no filter forgives. And the God with no filter loves. He's affectionate towards us. The God with no filter says, you're my son, you're my daughter, I'm your father. The God with no filter is like Jesus. John in his letter, 1 John 4 verses 9 and 10 says this, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. What about a few verses later? 1 John 4 and verse 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Uh, This is why this is important because you can rely or put your trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love will live in God, and God lives in them. We, John says, have put our trust in his love. Are you trusting God's love for you today? The NIV version says this, we rely on his love. Imagine that. Imagine that, putting your trust in God's love for you today. Are you in a crisis? Have you had bad news? You can put your trust in God's love for you today. Are you afraid? Fearful? You can rely on God's love for you. Are you discouraged, disappointed? You might even say, Paul, I'm worse than that. I'm feeling a bit depressed. Let me just tell you, you can rely on God's love for you.
right now? Are you rejected? Have you had setbacks? Listen, you can rely today on the love of God for you. There's a way forward. There's a way back. There's a step ahead because God loves you. I want to tell you, your week just got better because you decided to trust in his love. You decided to rely on his love. However you feel this week, you can say, I'm putting my trust in his love. I'm putting my trust in your love. I'm relying, God, on your love. I'm thanking you right now for your love. Come on, let's do it right now. Thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you, God, that we can rely upon your love for us. And then the final thing, and the band are going to come back right now. We're sons and daughters. We're loved. The final thing. And this can be the hardest to believe, is we bring God pleasure. Look at this. You are my son, whom I love. In you, I am well pleased. You know, this is God's affirmation of us. We've seen his acceptance. You are my son, my daughter. We've seen his affection, whom I love. But now his affirmation, I'm well pleased. Uh, Some people say that this is said over Jesus before he's done anything. They say that to make the point that we don't have to earn God's acceptance or his affection or even his affirmation in our lives. And the point they're making is absolutely true. However, it's not true to say he hasn't done anything yet. Because what Jesus has done is he's come to be baptized by John. And as we've explained He's come to be baptized to identify with us so that we can get our identity from Him. Did you hear that? He's come to identify with us so that we can get our identity from Him. Imagine a world where every human being knew that they were accepted, that they were affirmed, and that they were loved. Imagine a world He's not being baptized, Jesus, for his own sins. He's not being baptized because of his own requirement. He's being baptized for our sins. And he's being baptized because we require it. Jesus, just like he'll do three years later on the cross, is taking our place. And when Jesus takes our place, he is the Father say, You are my son, whom I love. I am well pleased. And why does the Father say that to him? So that we will know in our brokenness, in our failings, in our mistakes, even in our sins, we will know the Father says to us, you are my daughter, you are my son, it's you that I love, with you I am well pleased. Now, the Father doesn't say to Jesus, I'm pleased because you've done this, son. No, he says, I am pleased with you. Can you let that sink in? I am pleased with you. And here's why we need to let it sink in. Because we need to hear the Father say to us today, hey, you guys in Stocksbridge, I am pleased with you. What about Rotherham and Derby and Sheffield? And here in Chesterfield, you need to hear the Father say, I am pleased with you. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus didn't need to hear that. He wasn't having an identity crisis like we did. He was the Son of God. He knew He was the Son of God. But He heard it because we need to hear it. With you, 
I am well pleased. Someone needs to hear that today. I'm prophesying to someone today. You see, God, our maker, sees more in us than we could ever see in ourselves. And he says, it's you I'm pleased with. It's you I'm pleased with. That's why this baptism speaks to our identity. And it speaks to who we are in Christ. Jesus speaks to how we can live as sons and daughters of the living God. And I believe when we follow Jesus in our own baptism, as we receive the Holy Spirit like Jesus did, and we embrace the identity that God gives us, an identity that's so powerful, it gives us real freedom. It causes us to know daily, despite feelings, despite setbacks, despite mistakes, I am chosen, I am loved, I'm a child of God. Come on, say it with me. I am chosen, I am loved, I'm a child of God. Come on, on your living room, on your, in your bed this morning, with your breakfast, however you are or connecting with church today. I am chosen, I am loved, I am a child of God. I'm not just teaching theology today. I'm not teaching a philosophy, a way to think. I'm teaching a way to live. And I want to encourage you today. The way of Jesus is your true identity. And if you need to be baptized, if you need to get yourself in the kingdom of God, sign up. Sign up. Come in the same way Jesus came in. Be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. You can apply this truth to every day, every circumstance. It can wash over you and it can wash over every feeling and emotion. You are a child of God. You are chosen. You are loved. You are a child of God. And maybe you're watching today or you've connected somehow with Icon Church today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus in your life. I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to pray for you in just a few seconds. But this is your moment to say, I want to follow Jesus. This is your moment to say, I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And if you've never done that, you've never made that decision, right now in the comments and in the chat, you'll see a button if you're on church online, you'll see a link if you're on YouTube. I want to encourage you right now as I'm talking, press that button, click that link. It'll take you to a place where you could leave some details. And we'd love you to do that because we'd like to send you a free gift. Nothing more, just a free gift that'll help you on your journey. And that could be you today. I know there'll be people today clicking that button, clicking that link and saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want to say yes to making Jesus the Lord of my life. Or maybe you're watching today, you've connected today and you once followed Jesus. You once walked with him and you need to come back today. You need to be reminded today that you were chosen, that you were loved, that you're a child of God. I'm asking you right now, click that button, click that link. And come back today. Come home today and follow Jesus. Leave us your details so that we can send you a free gift. We'd love to do that. I'm just going to wait for five seconds because this is the most important decision. Of the 35,000 decisions you will make today, this is the most important decision you can make, not just today, but in your life, to say yes to follow Jesus. I'm just going to wait five seconds. It's not too late for you to click that button or click that link. If that's you today, you feel it's your day to respond. It's your day to come home.
Come on, click that button. Click that link right now. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to pray for everybody who's clicked that button, clicked that link today. I'm going to celebrate the fact that you're coming into the kingdom of God today. It's not too late, even as I pray for you to respond. Father, I thank you for every person who will make a decision today to follow you. I thank you for every person who will say yes to making Jesus the Lord of your life. I thank you for every person who will come home today. People who once followed you, but maybe have drifted away. But today they will come back knowing that they are chosen, that they are loved, and that they are children of God. I thank you for them today. And I pray right where they are, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you let them know your peace, your life, your joy in them? Would you let them know the identity that they have in you as children of God? Bless us all, we pray. May your Holy Spirit fill us afresh in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, why don't we celebrate all those people who will make decisions today to follow Jesus. I'm going to hand back to, back to our worship team who are going to lead us in God's presence this morning. Thank you so much, and I'll see you later.